Women Taking the Lead, episode 227. It's okay if you're not 100% every day. It's okay if you're 60 to 75% because the 125% days will outweigh, it'll all even out in the end. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Have you grabbed your copy of my best-selling book, Accomplished, How to Go from Dreaming to Doing? Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash accomplished to access the secrets to achievement and success. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Elizabeth Moss, who is dedicated to recognizing Maine's role in American art. She opened her gallery in 2004 after completing a Master of Arts program in Museum Studies and Curatorial Research at George Washington University. While in Washington, she worked at the Hirshhorn Museum and Sculpture Garden and was a member of Zonta International and a founding member of the Smithsonian Young Benefactors. She founded the nonprofit arts organization, the Maine Museum of Photographic Arts. Her gallery was named one of the top 500 galleries in North America by Blue and International's website, Art Info. She is also an active member of the Women's Executive Forum. As director of Elizabeth Moss Galleries, she has exhibited at international arts fairs in New York City's 28th Street Armory and Boston's AD 2021 at the Cyclorama. Artworks from her gallery have been included in the Art and Embassies program and are in the corporate collections of L.L. Bean, Acadia Insurance, and Maine General Hospitals, and countless private collections in the U.S., France, Saudi Arabia, and Finland. Well, Elizabeth, or Liz, as I will call you, that's quite a bio, (laughs) and it's pretty amazing, but it's a 10,000 foot of who you are in the world. So if you could, tell us a little bit more more about you and your own humble beginnings. Well, um, thank you for having me, first of all. And um, the idea of either working in a museum or owning my own art gallery actually started as a teenager. I was probably about 13 when I started ripping out pages from magazines, both art and fashion and uh boy bands and sticking it up on my wall from ceiling to floor. Um, My dad thought I was crazy, but my mom just said, let her do whatever she wants. So um, I really started from a young age, loving the idea of art and loving fashion. And um, so when I went away to college, I did study art, arts management, art history, And then I did eventually go on to get a master's degree in museum studies, hoping to work uh, again at the Smithsonian, one one of the Smithsonian museums. And Liz, you've had success in your life. I mean, just reading your bio and and what that what you added to it, like you could walk around feeling like I got this, right? <laughs> pretty. You know, it, it honestly, Jody, it doesn't feel that way day to day. When I was writing, pulling together all the experiences and my training and preparation, um, it, it does look impressive. But uh, for a girl from Maryland just trying to sell art in Maine, it it just feels very normal. 
one day at a time. Right. Well, you know what? You make a good point because I've, I've talked with several women in my community. They've read my book or they've been coached by me or they're in my accomplished community and they're achieving success. Right. And it's not just right. because of me, but I, I'll ask them like, so what had, like, I get that you've had a mindset shift and that's great, but a mindset shift isn't worth anything unless your actions change. So what have you done differently? And a lot of them have said, I've just done one thing at a time, like right. taking the baby steps and cumulatively yeah. those baby steps end up looking like a pretty impressive bio. Right. Right. <laughs> that, that is, that is accurate. That's how I feel about it along the way. I've, I've done things mostly the impetus is to do things out of instinct or desire and to see, I, I like to challenge myself. How far can I take this? You know, and then a lot of the times those things don't really end up the way I envision they're going to be, but the byproduct of those things are, are maybe so much better. So it's, um, I'll give you an example. So in 2009, it was, um, quiet in January here in Maine and snowing. And I wanted to sort of do something exciting for the gallery and for myself. And um, I was driving by an empty storefront on Route 1 in Falmouth. And um, it was a place where there had been a Martha Stewart furniture flagship store. And I knew that it had closed and that the space was empty and it was very beautiful inside. And I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll just have a pop up exhibit of a photography show in this space. And and this just idea just sort of embedded in my mind. And then I started asking the community and. I met Bruce Brown, who had been the director of the Center for Maine Contemporary Art for many, many years. And he said, you know, there hasn't really been a big photography exhibition in Maine in about seven years. And I said, well, I talked to the landlord of the space and it's 4,000 square feet. So I'm thinking we could probably put a lot of people in there. <laughs> and he, he said, oh, yes, you could. And in fact, um, I did hold an exhibition with um, probably about 27 photographers from all over the state of Maine. And I held an, a, an auction as part of it. And um, there were there were really probably over 500 photographic prints in that show. And what I was hoping was just to have a show and make a little money. But, and I made a little less than I thought. I just want to say that. Um, but what the byproduct of that whole experience is that I discovered photography in the state of Maine and photography in the state of Maine is, is the best of the best in this whole country. And it's not just lovely bucolic landscapes and sunsets and lighthouses. It's not that at all. It's actually a very cutting edge photography. Um, and so I learned a lot. I learned about the community. I learned about photography as fine art in the 20th century. And I also uh, almost overnight gained a reputation for 
knowing photography in the state. And and a year later, later I ended up um, founding the Maine Museum of Photographic Arts, which I was very proud wow. to do. Yeah. And it all started from a drive down Route 1 yeah. in Falmouth on a quiet day in 2009. Totally dead, <laughs> totally snowy, totally like, oh, God, how are we going to get through it again? You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So um, the takeaway from that is, for me, really, that was one of the first lessons, hard lessons in the business I learned that um, – a lot of times those big undertakings don't really get the results you're thinking they're going to get ahead of time, but sometimes the results are, are, are just tenfold after the fact. Oh you yeah. Just don't know. Yeah, absolutely. So the byproduct out there and, and it's like you and the podcast, you know, mm-hmm. just, it's kind of an instinctual thing and you don't know where it's going to go, but if you don't take a risk, you know, that's that's the worst of all, in my opinion. Absolutely. I, I totally agree that it's often the we have a plan, we have actions we want to take, and there's a certain result that we're looking for. And we don't always get that result. But oftentimes we get like, I love the term and it's becoming one of my favorite terms lately is unintended consequences. Like the byproducts <laughs> yeah. of the actions we took actually creates a pretty amazing experience that we, we just never predicted because we couldn't have seen, you know, what was going to unfold from it or what the ripple effect was going to be. And mm-hmm. that's amazing. Liz and you and I had a quick chat right before the call and we were talking about like some of the like the low moments and it's like well which one do you want me <laughs> to talk about right yeah. right because I'm like isn't it true on paper and oftentimes in social media we and other people we look like our lives are just so perfect and everything yeah. is going great but the reality is we're all human beings we all have moments you know where you know the inner critic or the gremlin gets us and we have our moments of doubt so Liz Share with us one of your playing small moments and the lessons you've learned from it. Okay. So um, I started this business in 2004 and it was started in with my parents. Um, And I just want to say that had I not had their financial support and their, their emotional support and their the work experience that they both had. Um, I never could have done this on my own. Um, but, uh, what I, what is in mind to answer that question is that I was in business for three or four years when, um, two gallery owners from Portland came to pay me a visit. And, um, when they were here, uh, and one of them had been around a long time and the other, well, they both really had been around a long time and both of them were, I highly regarded, um, the work they did and, and by reputation. And they, upon leaving, they said, you know, you really ought to move into Portland because you're in a strip mall in Falmouth. And I don't think it's great for your, you know, for your business. Um, and that really, it sort of dug at me for a long time um, because who doesn't want to have some either very glamorous location in a historic building or some really cool warehouse lofty place in with tall ceilings and cement floors and 
AKA not in a strip mall. Right. So, um, but the reason I ended up in a strip mall to start with is because we were also, uh, fast frame, which was a West coast framing franchise. And they had very beautiful products and they trained us and helped us set up the framing side of the business. Um, but they had that terrible name fast frame, which, which was really very much in conflict of what I was doing as far as the work in the gallery. So I knew I needed to split with them. And in fact, I think I had already split with them at that time, but, um, fast frame was a large corporation and they had sent out a gentleman who went all over the country determining what was the best location for a business given the, the demographics of the general area. So when that representative came and he looked in Falmouth, Cumberland, Portland, Scarborough, it was always determined that Falmouth by demographic interest and education level was going to be the best opportunity for success because when it comes to owning a business location 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 really is really is important now i also had the fortunate experience of having managed the stein gallery which was a glass gallery in portland for seven years prior to opening here and so i knew from that experience that 90 percent of the sales went to out-of-state tourists and um, which meant that the business was very seasonal and um, relied on a very tight, tight visitor time frame, too tight for my my desires and my needs. And in any way, in the end, um, I felt that although Falmouth wasn't as glamorous as I would have hoped, I know for sure to this day I would not have survived economically had I not been in this community and and beyond buying power I will say that the the client my clients who many have become my friends that this community has some of the most wonderful thoughtful loyal um, positive forward-thinking business people, um, family people. It's just been really rewarding for me. And so so I don't feel anymore that I need that glamorous downtown Portland location to cater to the tourists. I feel very much a part of a community that's relevant, and it fits with my mission, which is basically educating the people of Maine about how great their artists are. Mm -hmm. I totally get that, Liz. And, you know, what I love about your story, it really points to, you know, sometimes self-doubt comes from within, but sometimes it's it's almost like (laughs) it's initiated by an innocent comment. I'm sure those two people, the, the gallery owners that you knew and respected, they were just like caring about you and wanted you to succeed and in yeah, their they, mind they wanted me to be part of the gang I don't know yeah you know? Yeah. yeah and it's you yeah. know and oftentimes it can be like 
family or friends or colleagues, like people we respect and love can sometimes say things that make us go, oh no, like what <laughs> am I doing? I'm so glad you had the epiphany that like, nope, they, these are all the reasons. Cause I'm sure it like hurt a little bit when you first yeah. heard it. And I know the women listening can definitely relate to that. Like it, a, a comment said with good intentions out of love from somebody we care about sometimes can be <laughs> the worst. <laughs> Right. Because we're like, oh, my God, like, don't you believe in me and what I'm doing here? But it does take those thoughtful reflections and reminders of like, no, I'm doing the right thing. I'm going in the right direction. There's a reason why I'm doing what I'm doing so that those innocent comments don't turn into like essentially like a toxic thought in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And and I will say, too, that actually this gallery space that I do have is extreme. It's quite large, um, very large. I probably have more inventory than almost any other gallery in the state. And um, it, it's taken me 13 years, but it, it looks the way I always wanted it to look or close. Anyway, <laughs> it's getting <laughs> <So>. there. <laughs> awesome. Now, it's Liz, close. <laughs> yes. Now, Liz, share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call, right? For some people, it's a flashbulb moment. For others, it's a dawning or a slow awakening. But in either case, there's a moment when you're ready to take action. So if you could, tell us what led up to that moment and then the steps you took that led to your success. Well, of course, I alluded to the idea of the photography museum and that that is ongoing and um, that that is close to my heart. And um, we're amping up plans to bring in more people in the community. Um, but as far as a real aha moment and, and there really there have been plenty of aha moments, but. I'll tell you one that's a little more of an exciting aha moment. And that is, um, I think it was maybe 2010. A client of mine came in and he said, I have um, this painting that's been in my family for a long time. And I wonder if you could take a look at it and tell me if you think it's worth anything. My father told me it was before he passed away. And, um, you know, I, I think it may be somebody important. And, and so I, I'm very open to integrating my art history, uh, scholarship with the way I run the business, which means that I do often um sell secondary market works by dead artists i don't the majority of the business is contemporary living artists but i also do do private sales of secondary market work and um so i said sure yeah i'd love love to look at it bring it in so he brought it in and it was dirty and it had a bunch of tears in it but i could tell immediately that the quality of the brush strokes and the light and just everything about it was the creme de la creme. So I, I look, I found out from the family the the name of the painter, and it was Albert Edelfeld. And um, I won't mention the family because I don't know who they ever told, but the painter was Albert Edelfeld, and Albert Edelfeld was 
basically Finland's Monet. So that is of the like level of this painting. And, and I, 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 I looked it up and I realized immediately that it was a very valuable piece. I also checked auction records and things. And, um, but I, I advised the client to take steps to make sure that the, I mean, he expressed interest in reselling it and, and I felt I could broker it to the highest price point for him versus going to Sotheby's or Christie's or putting it into an auction. And he felt confident. I felt confident. And I advised him to restore the painting. And the process took many months from the beginning to the end of me selling it. The process probably took seven months. Um, but he had it restored with a great art painting restorer down in York, Anthony Moore. And, um, and I analyzed what I thought the top figure would be that the family could expect based on auction records and, and the subject matter, which was, um, two imperial sailing vessels in Copenhagen Harbor in the late 1800s. And, um, and I reached out to some contacts I have in New York, uh, then president of Artnet, Bill Fine. And I said, you know, I have this painting and it's by Albert Edelfeld and I think it's pretty important. Can you lead me in the right direction? And sure enough, couple weeks later, he set up a meeting for me with um, private buyers that flew in from Finland to see the painting. And when we we all went to the vault together to examine it, they read from a book that said Albert Edelfeld painted three of those scenes um, for Tsar Nicholas, who was the last Tsar of Russia, and that this painting was was the needle in the haystack. They had the two existing ones were in the Royal Palace. One was in a private collection, and this was the missing one referenced in this book, rumored to be somewhere in the United States. So I, I sold it. I sold it for um, a very good price. The family was happy. The The people were very happy, and it was really exciting. And, and um I came home and I thought, darn it, I'm just as good as anybody else operating out of Falmouth, Maine. <laughs> you know? So that's awesome, Liz. And you know, it was a chance happening, but it was an opportunity for you to show your customer. And it sounds like show yourself what yeah. you're really capable and the level at which you can operate. Yes, you yeah. have a storefront out in Falmouth, Maine, which doesn't sound very, you know, upscale or highbrow or anything like that. Right. But the reality is like you could work anywhere in the world because you're that skilled, you're that talented and you choose you. to be in Maine. That's true. I love Maine. Mm -hmm. And Maine is for me, I mean, so my personal story connecting with with Maine is also sort of wrapped up in, in art. Um, I came to Maine in my early 20s with a girlfriend, and she and I were sent out to Monhegan Island 
from by her parents who said, go out there. Liz will love it. There's lots of artists out there. <laughs> and so I ended up meeting my first husband out there. And, and he was the one that eventually moved me to, up to Maine from Maryland, Virginia area. So and of course, Monhegan is, you know, you can't look at the history of Maine art without acknowledging the relevance of Monhegan Island. And you can't look at American art at all without the relevance of of Maine. So it's just really it's really interesting. And me. And Liz, let's jump right into what you're working on. So if you could share with us something you're working on right now that you're really excited about, want to share with us. Okay. So recently I've been thinking, I'm always thinking, how do I reach beyond the state? That's always part of my mindset. Um, because as you said earlier, my mission or my my desire for the gallery is that people recognize Maine's role in American art, Maine's artists. And that means contemporary as well. And so um, I have had some success selling internationally, but I would like to try to focus more on exporting internationally. And so currently I have um, enlisted the help of SCORE, which is a a business um, advisory group out of, Portland. Um, they helped advise my father and I when we first started the business. And I thought, you know, I'm, it's a 13 year old business. I'm, you always, you're so in it. It's sometimes hard to see your business from the outside. So I thought I'll consult with these advisors so they can look at my business from the outside. And, um, so one of the things I'm keen on on exploring is exporting to um, to China. China has a very big contemporary art buying base and a lot of money right now, and they are keenly interested in American goods. So I hope to explore that and also perhaps Dubai. Um, I did uh, sell to a Saudi Arabian uh, collector a number of years ago, and while talking with him, learned there are a lot of Northeast educated Americans working in Dubai. And um, I feel like they may like some of the art from from this neck of the woods where they were educated. So I'm exploring that with some some potential grants through the Maine International Trade Center. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side of things, this might even round out the story. What is the biggest leadership or business challenge you're faced with right now? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, well, it feels like there's a bit of a retraction right now in the art market. Um, I think my sense is it's a little bit two pronged. One, there is a lot of building going on right now, but the building is um, the material costs of building are so much higher than they have been in the past that um, some of the designers I work with are saying that when it comes to doing the final interiors, the clients don't have any budget left over. So um, that's a potential factor. I do work with a lot of designers in the area. Um, part of that that thought process is um, – 
with our shaky uh, political atmosphere in this country at this time, I think that there is um, a little uncertainty in in where it's all going, and the unknown can be uh, impact a, a non-essential industry like art. Absolutely. Like some, and that's the crazy thing about being an entrepreneur is rolling with the circumstances and finding new opportunities. I mean, this is a great time for you to be expanding into exporting because you can find buyers who aren't as impacted directly by the, you know, cost of materials for construction or the U S political situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, One of the lessons learned, I guess, more of a broad lesson learned doing this for 13 years and doing it through 2008 to 2010, which was uh, impacted my business. My business was down probably almost 70 percent during that period from the four years before that. I did come back up to the highest levels. I have had in 2014, uh, but 15 has seen it, saw a decline, 16 also a decline. So what I'm trying to do is be sensitive to the fact that I may be doing everything right. I'm not saying that I am necessarily, but even if I am, there are forces beyond my control that that are impacting me. And then how do I it's those times, to be quite honest with you, that force you to be more creative and to push harder and try things that are more experimental. And um, when I have done that in the past, it has it has served me well. Mm-hmm. So I hope to do that again now. Nice. All right, Liz, let's bring it home. I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So for the next three questions, answer in one sentence. Okay. What is one practice you have that helps to make you a better leader? My relationships with everybody I know. (laughs) (laughs) What advice would you give your younger self? Oh, my advice to my younger self is that it's okay if you're not 100% every day. It's okay if you're 60 to 75% because the 125% days will outweigh. It'll all even out in the end. Now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Okay. Um, I actually have a paperweight on my desk and it's a quote from Benjamin Franklin and it says, energy and persistence conquer all things. And what does it have meaning for you? Well, in my business, I, I'm very positive. I have positive energy. I'm also very optimistic. Um, but it, it also has to do with sort of being intuitive to, um, ideas that come in my mind to be sort of receptive to that energy and then to push it back out into the universe. And, and so I think it, it, it can mean good things. Or it does mean something good to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it just speaks to our core. Oh, I guess. Yeah. I think energy and persistence. Um, you don't always get things right the first time. Nice. And Leslie, Liz, what is the best way for this community to connect with you? 
Um, certainly on my website, Elizabeth Moss Galleries, plural, um, but also on um, LinkedIn I, um, for corporate uh, parties of interest. And um, Facebook is also an option. Instagram is as well. So <laughs> there are plenty. <laughs> yes, I'm like I'm you. Small. <laughs> you can find me everywhere. <laughs> you can find me everywhere. And for the- you can just walk. You know what? You can just walk in the door. Right. If you're local, go visit Liz. If you are not local, come visit Maine and visit Liz while you're here. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Thank and, you. And for those of you who are listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com. And Liz, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you, Jody. I feel the same. Before we say goodbye, I want to give a huge shout out to Millie Welsh at Zebra Lab Web Solutions. She does the hosting for the Women Taking the Lead website, as well as the SEO and payment solutions. So if you need help with any of these things, contact Millie at zebralubwebsolutions.com. Thank you all for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. And to strengthen you on your own leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.